Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, a San Antonio Spurs podcast brought to you by Ken's Five, the official station of the Spurs. I'm Jackson Floyd, and joining me this week, we've got Ken's Five Sports Director Joe Reinagel. How are you doing today, Joe? Doing well. Good to see you guys. Yeah, and uh, from Ken's Five Digital, we've got Tom Petrini. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm good. I'm hanging out. How about you, Jackson? Doing all right. You know, uh, you might hear a little rain coming in through the, the speakers. <laughs> the, the, the microphone will have to see. It's a, it's a drizzly day here in San Antonio. Kind of kind of setting the mood for, for a, a play-in game tomorrow, I guess. I want to talk about that, but first I want to talk about the exciting weekend that we had, uh, watching Tim Duncan finally, after uh, a delay due to the pandemic, uh, getting his Hall of Fame enshrinement. Uh, Joe, it was quite the, uh, the emotional speech from Duncan, who, who's usually reserved, um, and, and talking about his parents, uh, his background. I, I think a lot of that is uh, things that Spurs fans are familiar with. You know, the, the story of him being uh, on, on the track to being an Olympic swimmer, uh, and then uh, what happened to, to force him into basketball and, and how he got to San Antonio. But still, uh, uh, just, a, just an emotional speech from him. Uh, what was your, uh, did you have a big takeaway from that? I thought it was a great speech. And, you know, Tim Duncan, you're right. He's not one of those guys, although he's improved tremendously. And, you know, listening to him and with the with the frog in his throat, I guess, you know, it seemed like he wanted to kind of cry the whole time. And I think it was very emotional for him, especially when he started talking uh, about Coach Pop. I mean, that was really something that I thought was, uh, was heart-wrenching there. And so that, w- that was nice. And it just reminds me, and I won't go back down memory lane too much, but my first big assignment at Ken's TV was going down to Charlotte, North Carolina to cover the 1997 draft. And so I got to interview Tim Duncan immediately after he was drafted by the Spurs. And that guy, getting three words out of him for every question was like pulling teeth. It was tough. And so to see where he was then and to where he is now and to watch him on that podium, man, I was just uh, – I was very proud of him. And I tell you what, it just goes to show that good things happen to good people. And, and I, I couldn't be happier for Tim Duncan. Joe, we want you to go down memory lane, man. That is such a <laughs> such a cool first assignment for your TV job. Uh, it was um, unbelievable, man. I I'm was sure, like, I'm uh, sure we can nervous. find the footage here and, and <laughs> maybe splice it in after. But you know, that night when when people were asking him about his goals, right? You know, what what do you want to do with the Spurs in the NBA? It was very like, oh, I just want to fit in and like do my best and try my hardest and hopefully win some basketball games. Uh, and j- the humility of that was pure Tim Duncan, but looking back on it now where, I mean, this guy's resume, he he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He's not just a hall of famer. He's one of the 10, maybe five best players to ever play the game, depending on, you know, where you put him. I don't think he belongs much outside of that range. Um, and the thing that really struck me was, I mean, 14 years old is way too young to lose a parent and usually way too old to start a sport and become the best at it. Uh, and he did both, uh, at the same time, which is just a really, really powerful thing, uh, really inspiring for, for people who've gone through loss and, uh, you know, who, who've persevered and um you know he told his story on that stage but he told it through thanking the people that helped him every step of the way 
you know, we he took he took us from the island to Wake Forest to San Antonio, and you know the the people in his family that that got him there, um, and and that was the the really beautiful thing about this whole Hall of Fame enshrinement. Everybody has stories about where they're from and and why they are the way they are, um, <clears throat> and you know what what I wrote going into that uh, ceremony was that um, you know. Yeah, he's a five-time champion and two-time MVP, three-time Finals MVP, and fifteen-time All NBA, and you know all of these statistical things. Sure, is that why he's in the Hall of Fame? No, is it how he did that on the court? You know, his his bank shot, his post moves, the fundamentals. Is it that? No, it's he's a Hall of Fame basketball player because he's a Hall of Fame person, um, and. I think that that was like a really, really beautiful uh, thing to to see on display and celebrated, and and for him to share that moment with Tim, uh, with uh, Tony and, and Manu and Pop, and be you know, and and his kids, that was the thing that got me. Was you know, I think the most emotional he was the whole. He was emotional with the other members of the Big Three and with Pop, of course, but when he was talking to his kids about how proud he is of them and how excited he is to see what they're going to be, um, you know, that, that got me, that was, that was just such a, such a beautiful moment. So, uh, very proud of Tim Duncan. And, uh, I know Jackson, you've mentioned this, uh, these, these hall of fame ceremonies are going to be sort of a thing in San Antonio, mm -hmm. we think for next couple of years. They here. should be. It's, a, it's appointment viewing more times than not over the next decade for Spurs fans. You know, Manu Ginobili eligible in 2022, Tony Parker eligible in 2023. And of course, that'll be another legendary draft class year because that's the year Dirk Nowitzki and Dwayne Wade will also be eligible. I think all those guys will be first ballot Hall of Famers. And then uh, Popovich in the near future. You know, he's eligible technically to the due to the rules, but, you know, he's been very vocal about not wanting to be in the Hall of Fame before guys like Rudy Tomjanovich, who was inducted this weekend and thanked Pop for his efforts in getting him into the Hall. Uh, and also who called for a big shot Bob, Robert Horry, to, to yeah. get into the Hall of Fame too. So could see another Spurs connection in the Hall as well. Becky Hammond is another name who is connected to uh, Hall of Fame eligibility as well uh, for her time in the WNBA. Uh, so we may see another San Antonio Spurs name there as well going to the hall. So uh, you got to make sure you watch that. Uh, I just really appreciated uh, Tim Duncan's humility in telling his story. You know, he talked about the the, the camp with Alonzo Mourning in the Virgin Islands, and uh, he didn't remember how well he played. But, you know, as the story goes, he, he kicked Alonzo Mourning's tail uh, during that. And they, they cut to Alonzo Mourning during the broadcast. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of smiled, nodded politely, but... You can tell he was remembering uh, the ways that a 17-year-old uh, Tim Duncan ate his lunch. So uh, I, w I wish that, that his mask was off for that. That's, yes. that's my only regret. <laughs> um, I, I wish we had seen his face when Tim was like, yeah, I don't remember how good I did. And he's just like, you remember I what do. you did to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, 2022 class, I mean, I know that he's an NBA champion, right? Uh, San Antonio Spur, a good representation for guys without great hair like Joe. Uh, <laughs> but like, I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer or maybe even a Hall of Famer at all. The people are going to kill me, but uh, I'm sorry. I just don't feel that way about Richard Jefferson. <laughs> so. 
No, I don't either. Is that where you were going with that? You're exactly right, man. I think we can all agree on that. I, I just wanted to scare you for a second there, Joe. Um, you left off Ginobili's uh, Olympic medal, but then again, you weren't talking about Ginobili whatsoever. So No, no, of course. No, Manu Ginobili, first ballot next next year. Next year, 2022? Yeah. No uh, brain, David West, man. David West also in that class, and Zebo. Zebo first ballot for me. I love Zebo. Yeah, he was, uh, a, I mean, a, a facet for many a uh, fantastic Grizzlies-Spurs matchups, uh, which is how I'm going to segue into the play-in game tomorrow. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies, San Antonio Spurs, the ninth and the 10th seeds in the Western Conference facing off in the play-in. This is postseason basketball, but it's not playoff basketball uh, per se. So, you know, we get a Spurs postseason run. Yet to see if we're back in the playoffs. Now, the, uh, as, as the play-in tournament's going to go, you know, the 9 and the 10th seed are going to play tomorrow. The 7th and 8th seeds are going to play tomorrow. That's the Lakers and the Warriors. Um, and that's all for the chance to get into the playoffs. If the Spurs win against the Grizzlies tomorrow, they'll play the loser of that Lakers-Warriors matchup uh, for a chance at the 8th seed. And then if they win that matchup, then they get to face off against the Utah Jazz in the first round. But we've got a few steps to, get to, uh, to, to go through before we get there. Uh, previewing this Grizzlies-Spurs game ahead of us here, you know, these teams played three times in this regular season. The Grizzlies won the season series 2-1, to one, but I, I do think it's worth noting that all three of those games happened with LaMarcus Aldridge starting at the center position. Uh, what kind of difference, Tom, do you see Jakob Pertl making in, in, in this matchup against Memphis? Yeah, so, I mean, this is, this is what makes it so you can pretty much throw out the tape from the first ones. Not, not entirely, but it's a completely different team that the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be playing against uh they're going to they're going to play him a different way uh it's, he's going to get a lot less easy looks and pick and roll in the first three games I mean first game he had I think 44 points in a loss um and then he was at a 2010 double double or near it um with assists for the other two games which were blowout wins and pretty much all of that he got attacking downhill and pick and roll at LaMarcus Aldridge in drop coverage. Um, and, you know, we we saw in the play-in game, basically, or not, not in the play-in game, in the, in the last game of the regular season for Memphis against Golden State, uh, with the winner going to be the eighth seed and playing the Lakers and having double elimination. Um, it was a big game, and they basically dared John Moran to shoot. Uh, the Grizzlies, like the Spurs are not a great three-point shooting team, not a high-volume three-point shooting team. They want to get downhill, and the three-pointers that they do hit are when John Morant or somebody else is getting downhill and breaking down the defense and then kicking to the corner, like we saw in like the Knicks game when you know it was just downhill and getting to open corner shots. Um, you know the the Spurs, if they make a conscious decision to dare John Morant to shoot it, at, at least force him to prove he can hit it. Um, that's going to make a difference and allow them to shrink the floor and hopefully make things difficult. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where this team, like, like I, I got on the grind city, uh, show this morning, rise and grind. And we talked about it and it's, it's a very, like, we're not so different. You and I, but between these teams, like they're very similar boats in terms of where they're at, where they're going, what they're trying to accomplish this year, um, and I mean Memphis really young. They're they're going to have some some young players who are responsible for a lot in this game. Maybe the oldest veteran 
playoff presence they have is Kyle Anderson. Is that right? Is that their veteran like playoff leader? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> he's, he's the oldest guy on the team, I think. Belichunis. Uh, yeah. um, is there as well, but yeah. Right. Yeah, and that that matchup with Pirtle and Valanciunas, I think, is going to be interesting. Um, I mean, but there there are two bigger matchups. I I think you can guess what they are. Uh, before we get to those bigger matchups, uh, Joe, is it? Is, I think it's a hyperbole to say that, uh, or it, it doesn't go far enough to say that the Spurs limped to the finish line here. Uh, they they dragged themselves. Uh, just what the the carcass of the team that remained <laughs> dragged themselves across the finish line. Uh, finished two for ten, uh, two and ten in their last twelve uh, since Derek White went down for injury. And in that time, they were I think the worst, third worst defense in the league, which is just very unspurs like. Uh, uh, defensive rating of 119. Uh, is there anything the Spurs can do to turn the tide against Memphis, Joe, in your, in your opinion? Defensively, I, I, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure. What what I want to see from the Spurs team, and, and you talk about young players, and I think the Spurs may, obviously have an advantage here with some veteran experience that they're going in with, but uh, they've got to come out from the get-go. There, there's no opportunities for this team to have a lapse for six or seven minutes and then and then try and pick it up and try and win the game. I mean, this is a this is a game, and DeJounte Murray said as much today when we were talking to him after practice. He said, look, we got to play for 48 minutes. If you don't play for 48 minutes, most likely you're going to be going home. And and so, you know, the Spurs team, as we have seen, especially in the stretch you just talked about, they've had some lapses where they just couldn't hit shots, they couldn't stop anybody, and they just look discombobulated. And, and they can't have any of that tomorrow night. It, it can't be, or certainly not for long periods of time. And so, th- it's going to be interesting to see how they come out. You know, I want to see them come out with that fire uh, that we've seen them come out with for some games. You know, you come out and they start the game and they're on fire, they're focused focus, they're crisp, and that's the Spurs team we need to see. If they do that and right from the get-go, I really like their chances in this ballgame. I really do. I think they match up pretty well against this Memphis team. I think I think they're deeper than this Memphis team. And so I, I like their chances, but they've got to come out with their heads screwed on right. And if they don't, then it, it could be a long night. Yeah, I, I think you're I think that's the right message to send like, you know, as a coach, right? But I'm gonna have to disagree a little bit in that Memphis is another team that struggles to put it all together for 48 minutes, right? And if you look at the schedule of games where the last dozen or so they've lost 10, Memphis is going to be one of the easiest games on that schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, in in those games when they had their stretches, you're right. It was unsustainable. It was, it was something that they couldn't claw their way back from. And obviously, yes, we want to see these guys come out and execute right from the jump and you know, if, if they can jump on Memphis right from the get-go and apply pressure and get in front and then you have to claw back using mostly twos and not threes, that's, you know, you're, you're putting yourself at a huge advantage. We want to see the best Spurs game possible. But we could, we could also see a, we could also see a not so great first half and then see the Spurs, you know, figure it out. So, uh, you know. Well, uh, here's the deal, I though, hope we Tom. see a good game. I don't want to see that, and I don't want to have to rely on that. You know, the Spurs right. teams, and we go back, and I, I realize it's you can't compare this to the teams of the, the Timmy Duncans and the Monte Ginobili's and the Tony Parkers, but when they knew they were the better team or they went into the playoffs, not even necessarily the better team, they flipped the switch. And it was just a different ball club. And it, they knew, hey, this is not the regular season anymore. This is the playoffs. 
play in, whatever you want to call it. This is a different ball game, and we're going to step up our game. So I don't want to see them limp around for the second quarter and, and not hit shots and, and look discombobulated. I want to see them come out, play crisp basketball, and, and you know, kick Memphis's butt. All right, and then let's move on to the next one. I mean, that's the team I want to see, and I think you, you're going to see guys – Honestly, DeJounte Murray made me very happy today. I mean, this guy, they're like tying him to the chair. I mean, he is ready to get out there and play right now. I think you're going to see guys like DeMar DeRozan, who is going to be uber-focused going into this ballgame tomorrow. I, you know, I'll even put a Rudy Gay and, and a Patty Mills in that. And I think they have to bring these guys together and say, look, it's different. This is not like the regular season. It's different, and your game's got to be different, too. Absolutely. And as if the Spurs needed more motivation, it feels like they're already counted out of the, of the, uh, the, the mix here. You know, a, a national media company put out their NBA Finals graphic today featuring 25 players from 19 of the 20 play, postseason teams. Uh, I'll let you guess which, 20, which team was left off the, uh, <laughs> the graphic there. But uh, I'd imagine that a guy like DeMar DeRozan, who's been so disrespected this year, you know, the 86, 82nd best player in the league and things like that, not making an all-star team, this is his chance to, to kind of have a fire lit under him. And he's a guy who can play with that kind of emotion as well. He's shown that mm-hmm. as well. In terms of playing a full 48 minutes, the Spurs team should be able to do that. Over the last 12 games, as we just mentioned, they averaged 48.4 minutes a game. So a 48-minute game is a walk in the park for them. Um, I will say, you know, Memphis is a team that didn't play tremendously well over their last 15 games either. You know, they were 9-6 and six in those 15. Um, shot 33% from three over that uh, stretch. Against the Spurs this season and those two wins they had, they shot 50% from three. So I think a little bit of regression to the mean for them might help the Spurs out. Also in their wins uh, against the Spurs, Gorgie Jang was their leading scorer on the January 30th game, and he also added 15 points in the February 1st game. Uh, He's on our team now. So, uh, you know, I I like our chances there too. Uh, It's going to be a struggle. I I think John Moran is a guy who also will will play with some fire. Uh, And it's going to come down, I think, to the DeJounte Murray-Jara Morant matchup. And Tom, that might have been what you were alluding to as, as the key matchup here for this series. Uh, I, I like DeJounte Murray uh, and John Morant. Uh, I think um, these guys are actually pro- a lot more similar than we may think. I think Ja is a much better finisher at the rim, but DeJounte is automatic from the mid-range. Uh, but in terms of what they do with the ball, uh, they're distributing it. Uh, they're, they're pushing into the fast break. These guys are very similar. I think DeJounte adds a little bit more defensively, but again, like I said, Ja has a little more offensive power. Tom, what do you take away from this matchup between the two uh, young, young up-and-coming superstars? I, I think it's really going to be paramount that DeJounte gets the best of it defensively. Um, you know, he's the head of the snake for them. They they really, everything that they do that is good will come from him in this game. Maybe that's not entirely true, but they'll, they'll go as far as he can take them, essentially. Um, and... If you can use just Jakob Pertl and DeJounte Murray to stifle those pick and rolls and let everybody else stay home and limit everybody else, that's how you win this game. Um, and, you know, like, like that's, that's all I'm, I'm saying with the, you know, they, they don't have to play the full 48. Like, they, there is room for error in this game. There will not be any room for error in a next game for anybody. Either the whichever of these teams advances, they're going to need to pitch a perfect game in either Los Angeles or Golden State to advance to the playoffs. 
Um, but I think we're going to see on both sides of the ball, uh, DeJounte and Ja going at each other in this game, making mistakes, turning each other over, uh, hitting big shots, getting to the rim. And, um, you know, I, I look at the experience of this Spurs team, and I think that'll be an advantage, right? The the other big matchup that I'm looking for in this game is uh, DeMar DeRozan and Dylan Brooks. Um, Brooks, who has become a legit multi-positional defender in this league, which, you know, was not the tape on him coming into the league. Like, they didn't know where they were going to play him on defense, uh, and now they just play him wherever he's needed. Um the the last regular season game against Golden State turned when he fouled out. Um, so if DeMar can apply pressure in that matchup, it takes some pressure off DeJounte Murray for shot creation, which allows him to expend more energy on the defensive end, limiting their best player. So uh, I, I think if, if the Spurs can win both of those matchups, they're going to win this game. I think another big key there... Uh... You know, I think the, both DeJounte and DeMar have to bring their A games, but uh, Memphis is a team that scores 15% of their points in the fast break. That's the league highest uh, total of percentage in the fast break. The Spurs for the total season were about average in defending the fast break. Over the last 15 games or so, they were about in the bottom third. They got to step it up in the fast breaks. They got to generate turnovers. Uh, one of the reasons why the Spurs were so poor on defense over the last 12 games is they couldn't generate stops. They were sixth worst in the league in steals. They were like ninth worst, I think, in blocks. So generate stops. You know, they're, they're a team that's not going to turn over the ball offensively. Generate some turnovers on that end. Slow down the fast break. Uh, and I think they have a good chance here. But uh, this is a dangerous Memphis team. If they do catch fire like they have against the Spurs. Uh, Joe, is there anything else that stands out to you looking ahead of this game? Well, I just, I just uh, go back to what you just said. I mean, you limit to, to limit the fast break, you don't turn the ball over. Right. So you got to play and you got to make buckets, make them take it out of the basket, too. I mean, so obviously they're going to get some there. I don't think there's any question. That's their game. That's how they like to play. But again, that just goes back to playing smart, crisp basketball. Take care of the basketball. Don't make stupid turnovers and give them those opportunities uh, unnecessarily. And I think that's going to be a huge key. You can slow them. If you slow them down a little bit, you're going to beat them. And that's just the way it is. And so they've just got to play smart basketball. And and obviously, look, obviously they're not going to play for 48 minutes. There's going to be some lapses. There's going to be some mistakes. You just got to limit those things and and make sure that you take Memphis's strength away from them. And, and if you do that, I think the Spurs can win this ball game going away. Yeah, and that game, again, is tomorrow night, Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. in Memphis. Uh, in this Spurs-Grizzlies series, by the way, through the season, the road team won every game. So, uh, you know, we'll see if that trend continues. Uh, the Spurs are four-point underdogs, and I think just one of the lowest chances, winning, uh, lowest odds for making the playoffs and, and advancing any further than that, according to Vegas. Do you guys see any any chance for the Spurs to make the playoffs here, to, to get through Memphis and then get through that 8-9 seed, uh, the 8-9 uh, loser of the 8-9 game? Uh, what are the chances the Spurs get to that 8 seed, Tom? I mean, they exist. I, I think <laughs> that, like, like we, we're looking at, at potential scenarios for how this could play out, right? In the majority of them, Spurs get a lottery pick. Either they, they win this game and then they lose the next one, or they, they lose this game outright and they got a lottery pick. Most Spurs fans would be fine with that. Um, 
the the Cinderella option is they they win this game either in a blowout or they use it to tune up some things and figure some things out and get tape that Pop can look at and say, we need to do this better. We need to do this better. And then I hope, I honestly hope it's the Lakers. I, cause I fear Steph at this point and the Lakers are kind of like annoyed, wounded animals right now. And like, if if the Spurs get to that game and play their perfect game and win it, and they've they've won in Los Angeles this year, right? They did that already. Obviously, different circumstances, but you know, can you imagine the the legacy of that game, the legacy altering implications of that game for years, for generations? If the Spurs are able to end the Lakers like play in playoff hopes before the playoffs begin, like that. They would never hear the end of it from this city. And and I want to see that. I want to see that so badly. I, I'm like willing it into existence. I want to see that. I want drama. I want history. And it can happen. That's the great thing about the play-in for the, the underdog. Like, like and the and the guys were talking about it after the last game of the season. They were like, Yeah, we're we're the underdogs. Patty was like, even when we were title favorites, we were underdogs. Mm-hmm. You know, because nobody nobody cares. Like, even if the Spurs were, on paper, better basketball team than Memphis, they'd probably be Vegas underdogs because people don't like to bet on on the Spurs because it's not fun. You know? Like, that's that's what Vegas' job is. Um, but you, you look at what this team has done throughout the year. It's ups and downs, right? You you have games where they've they've stolen wins against teams that are great, and you've got games where they've, they've lost to teams that they should have beaten. Uh, but they've been everywhere this season and proven that anything can happen in any given 48-minute game. Uh, and so when you think about if they got to that second game against either the, the Warriors or Lakers, that means the Spurs have won a game and that team has lost a game. And they they both have the exact same stakes and one team is heavily favored. Which team would you rather be in that scenario? If you're, if you're the, the favorite, you don't even want to be in that scenario in the first place. That's a bad s- situation for you to be in, period. So, uh, you know, the Jakob Pertl said Spurs could play a little freer. And, you know, uh, I, I really would love to see that if they can get past Memphis here. Exactly right. They have nothing to lose because nobody thinks they can do anything. So this team can just go out and play ball. I'll be honest with you, and I'm with you. I really hope the Warriors beat the Lakers in that game uh, Wednesday night because I'm not sure the Lakers have really gotten things back on the track. And I think they're they're kind of limping into this thing a little bit. I don't really know how healthy LeBron James is. I mean, li- back. literally limping in. He, literally uh, limping in. So he sprained his ankle in the last regular yeah. season game. He was in there with six minutes left for no reason. So yeah, I think it's. I think. I mean, I think Spurs fans. You know, obviously the Spurs have to take care of business first. But then Spurs fans should be. Uh, you know, put on their Golden State gear and, and root for the Warriors because I'd much rather face that Lakers team than than get anywhere on the court with Steph Curry at any time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be tough either way. You know, the Lakers and the Warriors have some dangerous superstars. You know, Steph Curry is, the, I think, the scariest man on the planet with a basketball right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, LeBron James has that has that gear, too. He has that motor. 
And it, it might be the wounded animal in his last fight kind of pushing forwards in that sense, you know, in that regard. But, uh, you know, and, and Anthony Davis, I mean, is he better than Tim Duncan? I don't know. But, no. Uh, <laughs> no. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> Joe, you, 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 will get a, you will get a kick out of this, Joe. There was a tweet that said uh, that healthy Anthony Davis is arguably the best player on the planet. And there was never an argument when Tim was playing that he was the best player mm-hmm. on the planet, even though he won back-to-back MVPs during prime three-peat Shaq. I mean, he, he uh, led a team to a championship in his second year in the league, and none of his teammates averaged 15 points a game or more. You know, that, that's really impressive. Uh, it is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk all about Tim Duncan if we want. Well, we can, well, Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley came out and said that he thinks Tim Duncan was the best power forward ever to play the game. I mean, that's pretty high praise from a guy like Barkley. And so I just, you know, you could probably ask Kevin Garnett how he feels about Tim Duncan. He probably has some nice choice words, too. So um, now by, my, by far, look, we'll argue all day long, but Tim Duncan at that position, to me, is the greatest player that ever played. Yeah. I mean, we run we run optimists in the pod, but it is going to be a slugfest from here on out if the Spurs do want to make the playoffs. I just have one more question for you guys in terms of the Spurs playoff chances. At what point in time should the city of San Antonio celebrate? Should they be celebrating <laughs> that they're in the play-in game? Do they celebrate when they get the playoffs? Like, do they celebrate when they win a game? Like, what, what's the next step here in, in terms of, uh, you know, honking on Commerce Street? Yeah, so this was like a weird thing after the Spurs clinched, right? Because they, they had a huge lead against the Knicks and, and they blew it in the last 15 minutes. And it was a, a really deflating loss and they were annoyed about it. And the first interview, like, Pop didn't know that the Kings had won or had lost. Uh, who Keldon was next, he didn't know. And then DeMar went and, and they had seen the Spurs clinched by the Kings losing to the Grizzlies. And uh, so I I asked DeMar about, like, the vibe after something like that happens. Um, And he was basically like, sucks to lose, especially like that. And, you know, we want to get that feeling back of controlling our own destiny. Like, we don't like leaving it up to other people. And we need to get that back. Um, So, yeah, uh, I saw somebody did a virtual honking. They, like screen recorded on google maps like street view and went down the street and like added a horn effect uh incredible like really remarkable stuff that's the appropriate level of celebration for that as far as going forward if they if they win a game absolutely go hunt mm-hmm. like like and then i mean if if they if they knock off the lakers or warriors and actually go to the playoffs all bets are off river but, parade I mean, baby after yeah. that absolutely (laughs) i mean even even better than that though even better than that if if that happens to the lakers that's something where that spurs game will be forever in nba history as exhibit a or b in barbershop arguments to end all barbershop arguments right like like that that could be a huge game and i just i just so want to see it happen like and that's that's on the menu that's the great thing about this play-in is like it could happen it's it's still very much a possibility a very exciting possibility that in every nba season prior to this one never would have happened so because uh, the quote of the day on this podcast is tom petrini about 10 minutes ago because they exist i love it (laughs) 
That's perfect. Yes. <laughs> yes. They exist as much as we do, if this is a simulation or not. I mean, I, it, it's what makes the playing game so exciting. You're right. And I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of eyes on Grizzlies and Spurs. I think there's going to be maybe the, the Warriors-Lakers one game to, to, to push them forward. Might be the most viewed basketball game of the year. Uh, and that's what makes the playing game so exciting. It's why I think the playing game may continue past this season, despite the grumblings from guys like LeBron James and uh, Luka Doncic and Mark Cuban. Um, I think the business side of basketball, we'll, we'll see this as a big opportunity there. But, you know, Jackson, once once the Mavericks, uh, I mean, they, I heard a lot about that like a couple months ago from them, like a, a lot of whining, but uh, they started playing a little better and I haven't heard anything about that. It, are they still anti-playing or are they... You know, I don't sure think anyone's asked them about it, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'd imagine their their views might have changed on it, right? Uh, I want to I want to take a look at the, the the big picture here for the playoffs uh, moving forward. Uh, do you guys have any favorites, Joe? Who do you see coming out of the West and the Eastern Conference here uh, at, at throughout the playoffs? Well, you know, the West is a little different animal because there there you know two or three teams I could see coming out of the West, but I'm going to pick a team out of the East that I think is going to make some noise: the New York Knicks. Okay, I like them to come out of the East. I think they've got a I think they've got a great team. I really do. And just think, just think, they add a guy like DeMar DeRozan next year. My goodness, that could be a that could be an unbelievable that could be an unbelievable team over there. But I like the Knicks coming out of the East. And when you look at the West, wow, you know, I want to I want to go with a Utah or a Phoenix, but I'm just I'm just not sure um, that those two teams either way. The Clippers aren't playing well. Obviously, um, wow! You know that's a that's a tough one. If I if you you tied my hands behind my back and said you got to pick one, I'm 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 gonna go with Utah. I know it's an easy pick. I'm not sticking my neck out, but I'm gonna go with them. Donovan Mitchell, how's he gonna be? Have you guys heard? Is he okay? Is he coming back? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, I can hear our former colleague Evan Klosky fist pumping uh, in Tampa Bay as you uh, talk the Knicks. And yeah, they're a team that that has already come out. Uh, there's already reports coming out that they're going to be in the market for for a disgruntled star who who might be on the trade market or, or try to make some big waves on the free agent side there too. So latest latest on uh, latest on Donovan Mitchell is that he will uh, likely be back for the first round out indefinitely with an ankle injury sustained April sixteenth. Uh, and Utah's confident he'll return, but there is some reason for concern. Um, and yeah, that's I mean, huge, Utah, obviously, for them. Yeah, Utah is uh, the thing is, even without him, like we we saw them absolutely eviscerate this Spurs team without Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, and obviously, you know, they'd face different opponents in the playoffs, uh, except maybe not. You know, maybe they would play the Spurs in the first round if the Spurs can pull off the miracle. But the Jazz run a beautiful system. Mm -hmm. And watching them play, like, you know, we I said it last time. If, if you like the way the 2014 Spurs play the game, watch the Utah Jazz. They are so good. Um, and, you know, in that spiritual successor role, I'm almost rooting for them, you know, like... Like, I, I kind of hope they get it. Um, and then on, on the other side of the bracket, I think the Knicks are a fun story and a really good team. Um, but I don't think that they have what it... I don't think they have the veteran presence this year uh, 
to get as far as the finals. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won a series or, or two. Um, but if, if they got to the, to the conference finals, I would, I would be gobsmacked, uh, if, <laughs> if they got past that. Um, but I, I like, uh, I like Brooklyn's chances to put the ball in the net a, a whole bunch of times. Um, I think they're figuring things out on defense, which is a question that I've had about them all year. Uh, and I'm rooting for them to, uh, you know, Win a, win a ring for LaMarcus Aldridge. I think that would be really cool to see, uh, even though he, he played a, a couple of games with them and uh, had to end his career due to, uh, you know, a, a heart problem. But uh, that that would be really cool if, if they could, uh, if, if he could benefit in some way from the uh, incredible assemblage of talent that they have. And Blake Griffin, whose legs now work. <laughs> So really, Tom, Tom, we we agree, Tom, the Big Apple's going to win the East. Okay, there you go. Hey, I want to be a part of it, man. Evan was fist pumping during Joe and then booing during Tom. Uh, so, uh, I, you know, Brooklyn has a lot of talent, but it's been such a weird year across the whole NBA. Like, I think those guys have played, what, 10 games all together on the floor? Mm -hmm. uh, but if they, can, if they can figure it out and make a run, and those guys have the talent to do it, I, I like them. I, I could see the Bucks making a run here. I think that team is really good, and I think a lot of people are forgetting about them. Uh, yeah. Drew, Drew Holiday, very good, mm -hmm. very good addition. Yeah, he, he was a huge addition. That Brent Forbes has been great for them. Uh, yeah. You know, that's the role he's been he needed. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't need to be uh, the the second option starting shooting guard for for a Spurs team. You know, he's a great guy uh, to to be your 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 you know catch the ball and shoot the three. You know, and he's been uh, very successful at that in, in uh, Milwaukee. It'd be cool to see Budenholzer as well take a team to the championship. Out of the West, man, the Jazz are so good. Uh, I, again, like I said, it's been a weird year. I, I think the Clippers have the talent to, to make a run in the same way the Nets could as well. Um, but, you know, I'm rooting for Steph Curry uh, along the way. If he can make a run, he, he's my favorite guy to watch who's uh, not wearing the silver and black with the basketball right now. Uh, just doing tremendous things with it. This might have been the best Steph Curry career, uh, best Steph Curry season we've seen. Um, I think he's one of four guys to do what he did this season at his age. You know, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan and him. Uh, putting up those numbers, and uh, he, he's a guy who could, who could take a team single-handedly on a run in the same way those all-time greats could. Uh, so, be interesting to see if he can do that. Uh, like the Spurs, he has a tough stretch, extra games involved there, um, but uh, the Warriors are, are a dangerous team. Um, yeah, so I think we all have different people in the ring there uh, vying for, you know, who we think might vie for a championship. So, it'll be an interesting playoff run uh, for any team regardless. Uh, just a, a stacked, I think both conferences are, the talent level of basketball right now is just amazing. And I think both conferences are pretty well stacked uh, in, in that regard as well. So, uh, of course, the Spurs uh, are, will be in that mix starting tomorrow, and we'll see where they go from there. Um, yeah. I'll just circle back to the Hall of Fame real quick because Vanessa Bryant had a great speech as well, I thought. And you know what? Uh, watching Kobe, as much as I got the opportunity to watch Kobe, she was absolutely right. This guy would go out there with, you know, an ankle turned this way and a knee turned that way uh, just because he, he cared so much about the fans. And, you know, not that all NBA players don't, but I, you know, 
you take his level of appreciation for those people that came to watch him every night. It was just off the chart. And uh, I thought her speech was uh, was right there with Timmy's. Maybe not quite, but it was right there. And I, I thought it was a very good one. So the whole Hall of Fame ceremony was was really nice. And I'll put a bow on it that way. But it was it was good. Yeah, I mean, to put the both of them back to back, Duncan and then Vanessa Bryant, I was already getting a little emotional listening to Tim speak. I, I, was, I was close to tears. And then uh, he, he walked up the stage and Kobe, uh, Vanessa Bryant and the, the Kobe enshrinement was next. And I, I turned to my wife and said, I, I, I don't know if maybe I'll make it through this. This is, this is going to be really tough. And uh, no, just a, an, incredible, an incredible moment to remember his legacy and who he was on the court and off the court and what he meant to just, we, we just talked about the talent level in the NBA, what he meant to this generation that's playing right now. He was there, Michael Jordan. He was the guy yep. who's in inspiring them and why his death just sent shockwaves across the league. And, you know, guys like DeMar DeRozan for the Spurs are just huge Kobe mm-hmm. idols. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just, just a fantastic night uh, just across the board, uh, remembering his legacy as well there. Yeah, I mean, seeing the, the those two guys, KG and Tim, both, you know, thanked the other two about, you know, bringing out the best and, and being such a, a good rival. Um, and, and there's, there's genuine love and respect there. And for all of those guys to, you know, really be Titans of the league at the same time. Um, and Tim and Tim and Kobe both, I mean, you won't find many top 10 lists without both of them. You, You certainly won't find any good ones without both of them. So, um, you know, the, the magnitude of that and the two of them together and and yeah that that speech from Vanessa Bryant I mean you know uh, again strength strength through loss and mm. um, you know healing and uh, it I I remember thinking that you know like oh man I, I kind of want to cry like less than I thought I was going to <laughs> and then I realized that that was kind of what she was going for as you know a celebration of life thing, which is, is really hard to do still this soon after. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we got a, a good celebration of everybody there, especially, you know, late great Kobe Bryant. Absolutely. I, I'd probably put that up as the greatest hall of fame class ever. I know that the Michael Jordan, David Robinson class is the one that's considered, you know, the, the, in terms of superstardom and the basketball ability, uh, that's up there, but man, there was nothing like watching Kobe and Tim and KG uh, on a nightly basis. So uh, I've told this story before in the pod uh, when we did uh, a, a tribute to Kobe uh, in the wake of his death. But I mean, that was my team in middle school. I, I'm, I was born in Los Angeles. I only lived there for two years, but for some reason, in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, I, I attached myself to the Los Angeles ethos. I listened to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I watched uh, Kobe and Shaq uh, tearing it up, uh, and then uh, yeah. Then, that, that ended my middle school in 2003 was my eighth grade year. So it was a good ride there. Um, and then uh, when I moved to San Antonio in 2007, and then when I met my wife, you know, I was, I was uh, talk, uh, you know, brought to my senses, if you will, you know, brought back to earth and, uh, you know, I've been rooting for the Spurs ever since. So it, it's, it's just a lot of fun to, to, to rewatch all the highlights, to see the clips and to celebrate uh, a guy like Kobe Bryant. So uh, I don't know if either of you saw the meme going around. Uh, Joe, you talked about, uh, how Vanessa Bryant spoke to um, Kobe Bryant's durability and his willingness to want to go out and play through things like, you know, tweaked ankles and, and play through in- injury. And just speaking to, you know, you never know which fan 
you know, is seeing me for the first time or, you know, they paid money to come see me. Uh, there's this meme going around the Spurs community with that quote and then a uh, picture of Kawhi Leonard uh, next to it. And don't get me started I mean, on Kawhi Leonard because that's like polar opposites, okay? I'll just say that right there. I know, I know, I know. I don't know how you feel about I, – I, I, Oh my goodness! All right, all right. I'll stop. Jackson, I'll stop. you're throwing okay. a Molotov cocktail. We're trying to sign <laughs> off. No, but the the thing is, like, the science has changed, right? And the like, like Kobe, Kobe was absolutely right to think about that fan. And what about that kid in the 300 section who, like, his family saved up to come see me? Absolutely right to think about that fan. But it shouldn't be on him to risk his own safety to make that kid happy the the league should do everything that they can to avoid that situation where he would have to make that decision entirely i think that's where the nba is going to have to go in the future because the the players in the teams certainly aren't going to like you know little jimmy i've I've written about little jimmy the hypothetical fan in the 300 sections (laughs) the teams and the players at this point understand that the best thing for little Jimmy is if he's healthy for the playoffs. So little Jimmy can watch that. Um, and uh, if, if playing in every regular season game like that is, is an issue, I get it. But yeah, Kobe was, I mean, you, you see guys like Russell Westbrook too. That's not dead in the league today. Just because there is that load, load management for people with chronic injuries and illnesses, which Kawhi deals with. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't think that we've seen the last of that and, and probably a big part of that is Kobe's influence, right? It's, I mean he didn't he didn't invent, you know, being a competitor that way and, and giving your all to the game that way. Uh, but he certainly personified it for a generation of basketball fans and players. So um, you know, that I, I think his legacy lives on that way and it's cool to see. No question. I'll just end it like this. I promise no fireworks here. But there's a difference. There's a difference between not playing when you're hurt and not playing when you just want to be traded. And guys, I, we can talk about this all day long. I don't want to relive the Kawhi Leonard days, but that was the case here in San Antonio. I would bank my reputation on it. So I'll end it that way. And I think the, the 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 reason the meme was brought up is because San Antonio fans are still a little sore uh, from that breakup. You think? And, the, <laughs> and, and all the after effects that happened through that. You know, Tom, I think you're exactly right. I think that the future of the NBA will be addressing how to workload management into it for people with chronic injuries because the playoffs are what it's all about. Uh, as for the the future of this podcast, you know, it remains to be seen. What we talk about next week depends on how the Spurs play next week. You know, I play tomorrow night. You know, if, if they win against Memphis, we'll be talking more playoffs. Uh, it, it, you know, I mean, I think what the, the game after Wednesday, if, if the Spurs win, I guess the winner of Memphis and San Antonio plays Friday. Friday night, the yeah. Loser. Cool. Mm-hmm. So Friday we might night. have more playoff basketball to break down uh, next week. Otherwise, we'll be taking a look back at the San Antonio Spurs season as a whole, uh, to picking our Spurs MVPs, uh, what we thought of the season, you know, try, trying to uh, identify moments, key moments throughout the season, uh, and, and sort of a, a Spurs exit interview, if you will. So please be sure to join us uh, for either that or, you know, we could be celebrating the Spurs as the eighth seed and breaking down a uh, Utah Jazz matchup here. That would so, be uh, fun. 
That'd be a lot of fun. All right, that's Joe Ryan Agelkins 5, sports director. You can find him on Twitter at Joekins5. Be sure to give him a follow. And then Tom Petrini as well. As you cover on the digital side, you can catch him at Real Tom Petrini on Twitter. And I'm Jackson Floyd at Jacksonkins5. You can follow the podcast as well at Big Fun Pod on Twitter. And of course, the Big Fundamental Podcast is brought to you by Kins5, the official station of the San Antonio Spurs. All right, we'll see you next time. Thank you, guys. Thank you.